God. Hey, good morning, Flourishing Grace. Um, man, thanks for joining us this morning. My name is Josh Nye. I'm the pre- pastor of Preaching and Vision here at Flourishing Grace. Um, and I just want to say welcome. Thanks for joining uh, with us this morning in this digital way. Uh, for those of you who are tuning in from your house churches, uh, make sure you tell your leaders, I said thank you this morning. Give them a big thank you from me. Uh, so, so thankful for our house church leaders and all they've been doing over these weeks to create these amazing environments where people can gather together um, in smaller communities as we practice social distancing in this time. For those of you who aren't in the house church, uh, you can learn more about that on our website, flourishinggrace.org. Uh, you'll, you'll learn everything there is to know about house churches and how you can get plugged into one um, as early as this next coming Sunday. And so we'd love to see you there. Uh, last Sunday, I kind of teased a little bit about um, today announcing the kind of our future strategy of gatherings here at Flourishing Grace. I know I've been getting emails and phone calls from you saying, "What's the plan? What are we doing?" Um, the truth is, we are we're, we're, we are just like you. We are observing. We're watching, we're watching the numbers and it's not looking great. We're like, okay, what are we going to do? Um, it was safer to gather uh, a few months ago when we weren't gathering than it is now. Um, and we're just kind of like, well, what is, what is happening? Here is our plan, okay? The next kind of short-term plan for Flourishing Grace, um, beginning the last Sunday of July. So that's two weeks from today. Two weeks from today, the last Sunday of July, I believe it's Sunday the 26th. Don't quote me on that. I'm pretty sure it's the 26th. Sunday, July 26th, the last Sunday of July, we are going to move our gatherings to Bountiful City Park. Uh, We have reserved the park uh, for Sunday, July 26th. And our hope is, our plan is, to as long as weather is permitting, to reserve the park every single week um, for as long as we can. Uh, The studies are showing that a, a safe place for people to gather um, is outdoors. And so we are going to move our gatherings uh, to one central location where we can see everybody, we can sing together, we can do the work of worship together, we can sit under the word together, be encouraged by the gathering of the saints um, at Bountiful City Park. Um, And the plan is, okay, the plan is uh, every week, weather permitting, if, if uh, it is pouring rain, Okay, we will live stream from here. And so you can watch it uh, at home um, or maybe your house church leader uh, set something up kind of last minute. Um, that would be kind of up to them. Um, but e- either way, we'll be live streaming uh, if, if for some reason the weather is bad on, on, that, on a Sunday. Um, a few things to note, okay? Gathering time. We're going to start, listen to me, we're going to start at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. because it's going to get hot, okay? So we want to gather while it's cool outside. So from 9 to 10, we'll be gathering um, in the park there. We are, we are asking everybody to come wearing a mask, okay? Love your neighbor, okay? Be, be responsible. Uh, listen to your pastor for once. Uh, wear a mask. Um, and we're, we're asking you to bring a blanket. And the reason why we're asking you to bring, bring a blanket, you can bring chairs for sure. Please bring chairs. Um, but also bring a blanket. Um, we're saying, man, can you keep your family unit on your blanket? I know for some of you who have like two, three-year-olds, you're like, Come on, man. Uh, listen, I got one too, all right? I'm bringing a blanket and handcuffs, all right? It's going to be, it's going to be, don't report me. Um, bring a blanket. We're going to keep our blankets six feet apart. Uh, we're going to wear a mask. Um, but 
this is a, a beautiful, awesome, encouraging step forward as far as gathering goes for us here at Flourishing Grace. A great opportunity for us to all be together in the same space, to see each other, give some air f- high fives and some air hugs, um, and, and enjoy each other's presence and enjoy the work of worship done over one another uh, in one central location. I'm excited about it. It's going to be great. Now, what are we going to do when the weather starts to get cold, right? What, what happens when it comes late September, October? What, what are we going to do then? Uh, the, the answer is I don't know. Uh, we're, we're, we'll have a plan that we'll roll out uh, sometime around, around then uh, as we kind of watch the numbers and, and hopefully see them get better. Um, we'll, we'll, have a, we'll have a more formulated plan based on what happens um, with, with, with the COVID. So that's, that's the plan for right now. Cannot wait, cannot wait to gather with you uh, in the park the last Sunday of July, two weeks from now, uh, July 26 at 9 a.m. Bring your mask, bring your blanket, and come ready to worship. It's going to be a great time. Um, I'm going to receive, our, we're going to receive our offering, offering here at Flourishing Grace is for those of us who call this place home, okay? You can go to our website, flourishinggrace.org slash give. You can give through the Church Center app um, on your phone if you have that, um, Giving is for those of us who say, man, Flourishing Grace is my home. This is my church. This is where God has called me in the season of my life. We are, we are getting ready to begin a new fiscal year, August 1. We've been working on our budget. And I just want to stop and say, man, thank you to everybody who has given so faithfully over the past year. Um, we, are, we are planning on some big things for this next fiscal year. We're really excited about it. Can't wait to share that with our partners in a few weeks. Um, but it's just, it's just a great great season for us because of the generosity of people like you um, who have given so sacrificially and joyfully. And so thank you for that. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for our offering. We'll receive it. And then we're going to get into the word this morning. Let's pray. Yeah, Father, we come before you and um, in, in this time, in this season of just, just a hard time to make plans, a hard time to, to create strategy. Um, and we just, we just trust in you. We know that you are sure, you are steady uh, and steadfast. You are a rock. And so we just trust in you. We know that you will see us through. We know that you will protect your church. We know that you will, um, man, you will get us through on the other side of this. Praise you for those among us who have done that. Who've said, man, my hope is in the Lord and nothing else in this world. And so they've continued to serve and give and love faithfully. And they've just loved flourishing grace well during this strange time. I praise you for uh, the opportunity to gather together once again, um, even if it is in a, still a strange and unique way. I praise you for that opportunity. I pray that you would um, and just bless that time and that you would create a great excitement and a great desire in the hearts of your people over the next two weeks and that we would come eager and ready to do the work of worship together and sit underneath the teaching of your word. I pray these things in your sweet name. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Amen, friends. All right, let's do this. Um, Let's dive into the word this morning. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles. We're going to be in uh, Galatians. Galatians is where we're going to be. Galatians 5 is where we're going to be this morning. Galatians 5. Uh, we are in this series. We only have two weeks left, uh, this Sunday and next, in this series that we're calling In the Presence. We're going to begin a new series uh, when we gather in the park. It's actually the continuation of a very, very old series, something we've been doing for three years. We'll talk more about that when we get there. Uh, but we're, we're beginning to kind of land the plane on this series In the Presence. And we've 
seen this kind of overarching story arc of God's plan for his presence, right? The beginning of the Garden of Eden, in the end, new heavens and new earth, full-on presence of God. God says, man, this was my plan. Like, this is the design right here. The design is you in my presence, full-on presence of God, all flourishing, all goodness, all delight, the fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore, in the presence of God. That's what I wanted for you, right? But then we see this history of people who have jacked that up really, really, really bad, okay? And we see this kind of restorative in new heavens and new earth where God says, once again, my presence, full-on for you for all time. And we've been looking at kind of the arc of this narrative and how God has begun to restore his presence among his people. We saw it in, in Moses and in the burning bush, the manifest presence of God, calling out a people, making for himself a people that he promised to Abraham, right? Um, and so what, leading them through the wilderness, the tabernacle, the holy of holies, and how the people of Israel kind of lived in this spiritual quarantine, right? Unable to fully access the presence of God. Unable to fully draw near. God is on the inside, separated by the veil, and the people are on the outside, but that's, you know, the best they could get at the time. And the people jack that up, right? We see as, as idols come in, the presence of God is driven out. The people, the people bring in idols and, and worship these idols. They, they commit idolatry, and the presence of God leaves. There's suffering in the land. As the idols are driven out, the presence of God returns, and there's flourishing in the land. And then we kind of fast forward to the next piece of the, the end of the narrative is Christ coming as the idol-crushing king, the one who's going to drive out the idols. And once and for all, last week we talked about this idea, he's going to grant access to the presence of God for people who are being renewed into his likeness. Okay, listen. Christ's work on the cross, his death and his resurrection from the grave, okay, grants access to a new people for himself, in himself. Christ is making a new people, okay, that are granted access to the presence of God, that they might be transformed into his likeness. This is what we looked at last week. And now we're going to kind of move into the last phase of this so it's not the last phase of the story arc, okay? It's not new heavens, new earth, but it's our time. We're going to look at our moment in the history of the presence of God right now in our day. And so I want to read you a verse that I read last week real quick before we get to our text for today. Um, just to kind of show you uh, that this is, this is in this the whole time. This comes from 2 Corinthians 3. 16 through 18. Okay, we read this last week. I'm just going to read it again. I want to show you something in here that we didn't look at last week. Okay, look at this. But when one turns to the Lord, okay, when one, when one gives their life to Christ, one becomes a regenerated follower of Jesus. They're transformed. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Access is granted. Now, the Spirit of the Lord Sorry, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay. So what we see, we read this last week and we highlighted the beginning and the end, kind of kind of the, the bread of the sandwich, okay? Okay. 
we, ha- we now have unveiled faces. We, the veil has been removed. We've been given access, okay, for the sake of transformation. We're being transformed from one degree of glory to another into the likeness of the Lord, into the likeness of Christ. We, we are being made into his image. It's the plan for our dwelling in the presence of God. But in the middle, there is this, this verse is impregnated with the how. How is this going to come in our time, in our day? What does this look like? In the middle, right? Verse 16 is the veil removed. Verse 17, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then if you look at the very end, the very end of 18, it says this, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What Paul is saying is all of this now in our day, in our time, is the work, is the work of the Holy Spirit. The presence of God in our time, in our time, is going to come through the Spirit of God. Let's look at this um, together. This is a quote by J. Ryan Lister. We've quoted him a few times. He wrote a book called uh, The Presence of God. He says this. He says, not only does Christ work of reconciliation call us to draw near to God, it also prepares the way for God to draw near to us. He does so most obviously in the coming of the Holy Spirit. To us, God extends himself in yet a more intimate way. He gives us the Holy Spirit, the presence of God for this almost final act of the redemptive drama. It is in the Spirit, then, that the presence of God resides with us for the consummation of what has begun in Christ atoning sacrifice. Okay, so, so here's what he says. The presence of God in our day, okay? The, the presence of God in our day is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is bringing about the consummation of what Christ began on the cross. The idol-crushing king comes in and crushes the idols, dries out sin, and the Holy Spirit is going to bring about, bring to completion, right, the work that Christ began. Okay, so, so Christ removes the curse of sin and the Holy Spirit says, man, now let me take you, right, this, this broken and marred image of God and restore you into his likeness. The primary means in which you and I will experience the presence of God is through the Holy Spirit. The primary means in which you and I will experience the presence of God, this side of heaven, through the Holy Spirit. A few years ago, um, we preached a a sermon series on um, men living a spirit-filled life. Um, And in that series, I I created this definition, and I want to read it for you again today. Most of you probably weren't even around, uh, I don't even know, it was like four years ago, something like that. Here's what it says. It says, the Holy Spirit leads us to a greater level of holiness and purity. Gives us supernatural Christ-likeness and supernatural mission-advancing gifts while guiding us down life-giving paths. Okay? What does the Holy Spirit of God do? What does he do in your life and mine? 
that's it. He leads us to greater levels of holiness and purity. He gives us supernatural Christ-likeness and supernatural mission-advancing gifts while guiding us down life-giving paths. And when I look back at that sermon in preparation for this one, and I saw that definition, the first thing I realized, the first thing I thought of was, I mean, that's exactly what's going on in the nation of Israel. When God is trying desperately to, to extend his presence to the utmost of his ability in the moment because of the, because of the spiritual quarantining of the people who have been wrecked and ravaged by their own sin, okay, this is what he's trying to do. He is trying to, right, set them apart as a holy and pure people, right? And when the idols come in, the presence of God goes out. When the idols are removed, the presence of God comes in. I mean, he's, he's saying, I mean, holiness and purity is important. You need to fight for that in your life. He gives us a supernatural Christ like this. He is setting apart for himself a people that are going to look different than all the other people in the world. They're going to look different. They're going to be marked by the presence of God. They're going to look different. And supernatural mission advancing gifts, um, he, he has a mission for them. And he wants to be present with them to help them accomplish that mission. He wants to fight their battles. He wants to win their wars. He wants to provide for them in the wilderness. He wants to advance the mission of his people, okay? He wants to do it supernaturally. That's what he wants to do for them. He says, step, sit down. I, I got this. Let, let me help you. And the more they draw near to his presence, the more we see God actually advance the mission in that day of, of their time and guide us down life-giving paths. He wants his people to flourish and when the presence of God is, a, is in the midst of the people of Israel, there's flourishing in the land. When it's driven out by idolatry, the flourishing leaves, and it's just ruin and destruction. We see the same thing. This is, this is, the, this is, the, the, this is ancient Israel being renewed in our very hearts. We have now become the temple of God, and he dwells within us. And he's doing the same thing that he's always done since the dawn of time. He's doing the same thing. He wants you to pursue holiness and purity. He wants, he wants to, to do that in you and through you, okay? He, here's how um, Paul puts it, and this is our text for today, Galatians 5. We need to get to it. We're spending too much time talking. We need to get into our text for today. Um, we're going to see these uh, four things. When Paul talks about the Spirit, he talks about walk by, led by, live by and keep in step with the Spirit. There's a call on our lives right now in this arc of the story, in this arc of the narrative of the presence of God, to do these four things. To walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, and to keep in step with the Spirit. Here's the first one. Galatians 5, 16. Paul writes this. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Listen, the first measure of the presence of God in your life, okay, is the level to which you gratify the desires of your flesh or the idolatry of your flesh. If the presence, it's the same thing we've been talking about the entire time. If the presence of God, the Spirit of God, okay, is moving in your life, then you're not gratifying the idols of our day. You're not gratifying the desires of your flesh. You're not. 
But if the Spirit of God is not moving in your life, chances are, I mean, there's idols of the flesh that you have been gratifying. You've been serving these idols rather than the Spirit of God. But if you walk by the Spirit, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not succumb to the idols of your day. How do we fight to keep the idols of our day out of the temple, which is our human heart? The Spirit of God. We fight for the presence of God. We need the Spirit, right? We need the Spirit to help us wage war against the idols of our day that we might not bring them into our human heart. That the presence of God might be within us. The next thing Paul says is this. He says, uh, similarly, kind of building on the same argument in the next verse, verses 17 and 18, he says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Right? He says, he says, listen, these two things are constantly opposed to each other. The Spirit is constantly warring against the idols of our day. And the idols of our day, our desires of our heart, we long to bring them in, is constantly warring against the presence of God. The presence of God, the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ is saying, then, not today. Get that out. Push it out. Push it away. And in our heart, the desire of our flesh is saying, no, no, I want it in. I want it in. And, and, and you know this. You know this. You know this. Every day, every day of your life is a moral minefield. Every day, every moment, every second of your life, you are walking through a moral minefield. And the desires of your heart are saying, come over here. Step on this thing. It is going to explode, and it will destroy your marriage. It could destroy your kids. It, it could destroy your career. And, and may, maybe just for a short season, maybe for a long season, maybe for the rest of your life. Come on, come over here. Or, or worse yet, worse yet, so, some, some, some invisible toxic gas. Now, you don't, you don't see it. You don't smell it. You don't even know it's there. It's happening and within, you, you've, you've invited it in, and you don't even see it. You don't even see it. It's slowly eroding the holiness of your soul. It is destroying the work of God in you, and you don't even see it. The Spirit of Christ sees it all, sees every single one of those minds. And Paul says, man, if you're led by the Spirit, if you said, man, I need you every moment, I need you every moment, the Spirit of God is saying, come on, come on. No, 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 not there. Don't, don't step on that. Don't step on that. That's bad. Like, that's not going to go well for you. That's not going to go well for you. Okay? Come over here. There's goodness over here. There's flourishing over here. There's delight over here. There's pleasure forevermore over here. This is the way to flourishing. That's the way to serve. Don't, no, 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 not that. No, not that. Come, come back this way. Come back this way. It's, it's every day, every moment, the Spirit is trying to keep you, to keep you in this place. If you're led by the Spirit, if you're willing to be led by the Spirit. Um, I love how the author, um, Charles Stanley, who is this super old school, I don't know how old he is, um, super old school Southern Baptist preacher, but he wrote a book uh, called The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life. In that book, it is so simple, okay? It is not complex. It's not deep. It's really not. 
um, it changed my life. It changed my life. And, and there's a quote in that book that I have memorized to this day. To this day, it, it is stuck with me um, in that book. He says, to walk by the Spirit is to live with a moment-by-moment dependency on and sensitivity to the initial promptings of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Let me, let me say that again. Let me say that again. To, to live, to walk by the Spirit is to live with a moment-by-moment dependency on and sensitivity to the initial promptings of the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, man, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. If you want to walk by the Spirit, you want to be led by Him. It's a moment-by-moment dependency on Him. Every ounce, every ounce of the presence of God in your life, every ounce of holiness in your life, every ounce of Christ's likeness and transformation that will come, every ounce of true flourishing, every ounce of it, you are fully dependent on the Spirit of God. It will not come by other means. And for some of us this morning, like that, maybe that's what you just need to hear. You've been chasing the desires of the flesh for so long. And here's what happens when we, when we gratify the desires of our flesh. Okay, listen. There is this thing out there in the distance in the future. It's always out there in the future. Always, okay? Um, and you know, when you lay hold of that thing, when you finally get there, when you finally make that amount of money at that job, when you finally land that job, when you finally get that house, when you finally buy that boat, when you finally get to retirement, when you finally meet Mr. Wright, when you finally meet Mrs. Wright, when you finally lay hold of it, when you finally get there, then, then the desires of your heart will be satisfied and you will have rest. You'll have rest. But it's always out there in the distance, in the future, always. Because the moment you attain it, for a brief moment, for a brief second, glory. Finally, I got it. But then you realize that's not where true flourishing lies. That's not it. That that wasn't it. It, 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 This is great, but if I had that thing, if I could just get get there, if I could just have that, if, if it was just this person instead of that person, it's this never-ending cycle trying to gratify the flesh. It will never be satisfied. It will never be satisfied. So every ounce of true satisfaction, if you want true satisfaction, right, you must be fully dependent on the Spirit of God. Only in the presence of God will you find true flourishing. If, we don't, if, we, if you walk by the Spirit of God, you will not succumb to the idols of our day. If we are led by the Spirit, if we're led by the Spirit, um, He will fight against those idols for us each and every day, um, leading us away from impurity, away from a lack of holiness, into true human flourishing. Look at the next piece of this, and skip down to verse 25 with me. It says this, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, right? So we've seen them all now. We've seen this uh, walk by, uh, live by, led by, and now keep in step with the Spirit. There, there is a call on your life 
to keep in step with the presence of God, to keep in step with the Spirit of God, to keep in step with the Spirit of Christ who is in you, right, trying to produce a greater holiness and purity, a greater Christ-likeness, trying to give you mission-advancing gifts and to lead you into greater flourishing. He's trying to do those things in you. But listen, it's your, listen, you must hear me on this. This is your responsibility. It's your responsibility. Now, some of you are already just hearing that, okay? You're squirming a little bit. Because in your mind, you say, hang on, Josh. I thought this was all grace and grace alone. I, I thought this was the work of God so that no one may boast. Like, how is it my You're right. It is. It's all grace. Every ounce, every ounce of holiness in your life is a gift from the hands of God. Every, every, every millisecond of it, any, any time that you've ever chosen holiness, okay, over idolatry, it's the grace of God in your life. It's the work of the Spirit of God in your life. Every moment of it, every moment, every time that um, you have experienced true flourishing, where you've made the decision, I'm not going to pursue that thing because I don't think it's actually going to lead me to flourishing, but rather I'm going to pursue the presence of God and see what comes of that. Every time you've ever made the decision, it's the grace of God. It is the grace of God in your life. We are dependent on the Spirit of God. But when the preacher says, which is true, right? When, we, when the preacher says, listen, this, this is 100% the work of Christ, the movement of the Spirit in your life, here's where our mind goes. And that's true. It's true. Don't, don't mishear me. That's true. None of this is your doing. This is the work of God, the gift of God in your life. But when we hear that, we think, I'm all now off the hook. I'm off the hook. And so any, any level of flourishing any any level of holiness that I may attain that's the work of the spirit and any level that I don't attain that's the work of the spirit listen when you get to, when you stand before God when you stand before God uh, whether that be today or that be in a year or 10 years or 40 years when you stand before God and he says man like you don't look much like Christ at all he's not going to turn to the spirit and say you really jacked it up on this one he's not gonna, that's not how it's going to go down for you you're not going to turn to the spirit and say man is that all you got? You couldn't, you couldn't do more than that? Like, I don't understand. Like, no, no. The Holy Spirit is holy, perfect in every way. There has never been a moment in your life where the Spirit of God has said, whoops. And that's never happened. It's never happened. Everything he has ever done in you has been absolutely perfect. But just like, just like the people of ancient Israel that we've studied over the past few weeks, just like the people of Jesus' day, we too can easily drive out the presence of God from our lives. And we too can pursue the presence of God to experience it more fully in our lives. Uh, I think it was Dallas Willard that says, grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. 
You cannot earn the gift of God. It's freely given to you, okay? But there is effort that is required of us. I love how the greats say it. John Calvin said it this way. He said, let us adore, let, let us therefore labor more to feel Christ living in us. Let us labor to feel Christ living in us. John Owen says it this way, labor therefore to fill your heart with the cross of Christ. And the great Jonathan Edwards put it this way. He said, we should labor to continually grow in divine love. Labor, work. Matthew eleven twenty eight calls us to rest in Christ. To rest in Christ. But Hebrews four eleven says that we are to strive for that rest. Strive to obtain that rest. There is, there is a responsibility due to you to walk by the Spirit of God, to live by the Spirit of God, to be led by the Spirit of God. You can choose to not be led by the Spirit of God, to choose to be led by the Spirit of God and to keep in step with the Spirit of God, to live with. A moment-by-moment-by-moment-by-moment dependency on him. A sensitivity to his initial promptings. The moment, the moment, the moment. Knowing that every decision that I make is dependent on him. In every moment of my life, man, I need to be listening to him, be sensitive to his promptings. And the moment, the moment I'm prompted to do. And so let me ask you this. When was the last time before you made that big purchase, you waited on the prompting of the Spirit of God? Before you spent that money, said, what does the Spirit of God say? When was the last time Before you made that post on social media, you waited from a prompting from the Holy Spirit. When was the last time you were so dependent on the presence of God in your life that you said, man, before I post anything on social media today, I'm going to wait for a prompting from the Holy Spirit? When was the last time before you applied for that job or accepted that job that you said, man, I'm going to wait for a prompting from the Holy Spirit? How dependent are you on the presence of God in your life? The truth is, for for many of us, the answer that must be in your mind right now is, not as much as I thought. You see, what I've been trying to get us to see over the past several weeks is that we are far more dependent on the idols of our day than we are the presence of God. We're, we're far more listening to and prompted by the idols of our day and the desires of our flesh than we are the Spirit of God, the presence of God. I'd rather listen to the desires of my heart than listen to the Spirit of God. And I want you to hear something this morning, church. You must hear this. The Spirit of God wants to lead you. The Spirit of God wants to walk with you. The Spirit of God God gave 
up his son so that he might walk with you. God gave up his son so that he might lead you. God gave up his son so that he might lead you into flourishing and away from destruction. How dependent on him are you really? Have you chosen to walk with him? Have you chosen to be led by him? Have you chosen to keep in step with him? Are you doing the work of laying your life every moment, every moment of your life? This is not just once in a while, every big decision. This is every moment-by-moment decision saying, Holy Spirit, I cannot do this. I don't want to do this apart from you. I don't want to do this apart from you. I don't want to, to make a decision apart from you. Is this what you would have for me? And then give yourself to listening. Give yourself to true listening. The Spirit of God wants to prompt you, wants to speak to you, wants to lead you and guide you and direct you every step of the way. He wants to lead you into greater levels of of holiness and purity. He wants to lead you into supernatural Christ-likeness. He wants to lead you into supernatural mission-advancing gifts while guiding you down life-giving paths. God wants to be present in your life every moment, every moment. Will you give yourself to that? Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, we come before you today. And I pray that you would make yourself known to your people this morning. That you would make us aware of your presence. That you might this morning reveal sin that is dividing us, that is keeping us from you the idols of our life that have driven you out, that have silenced you, that we might see more clearly the things that need to be ridded of our lives and that we would be dependent on you for their ridding. pray right now that you'd prompt your church to prompt the men and women and that rather than questioning or doubting or waiting that they would move that they would respond quickly to whatever it is you may have for them I pray that you would create in our people a hunger for a spirit filled life in obedience to a spirit-led life that we would know and that we would resolve to remember that true flourishing is not found in the desires of my flesh. It is only found in being led by the Spirit of God. And so would you help us to get to work today? Would you help us to take responsibility over the presence of God in our lives? Would we know that you have done the great work Christ on the cross has made us holy and made us pure, has made access 
for us to draw near to you and for you to reside within us. The work is finished. The work is accomplished. The work is done. We now have access. So let us do the work of drawing near. Let us do the work of drawing near. Teach us, show us. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, Flourishing Grace. We love you. Uh, We'll see you guys next week uh, back here as we wrap this up. And then two weeks, we'll see you at the park. Uh, Have a great day, guys.